Hello, Texans, and welcome into NRG Stadium. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Day off tomorrow for the team training camp in full bloom. It's been that way for a while. We're a week in, eight days in in total, but seven practice days in. They had a day off on Tuesday. They have a day off tomorrow. It's kind of a weird schedule that way. Saturday, another open practice. Today, surface of the sun. It was back. You want to have camp in Houston? This is what it is. And I'm not. I sound like I'm teasing. I like how you say that. You want to have camp in Houston? You sound like a, a bitter. You nah. sound like bitter that you didn't go to the Greenbrier this yeah, year. Maybe, maybe a little bit. <laughs> okay, I'm not. I'm not bitter. I know that did sound worse than it really was meant to sound. I know what you meant. But this is camp in Houston today. I mean, yeah. last week we were joking about how cool it was and it was 90 without oh, yeah. humidity. Today, oh, yeah, this is it, baby. This was camp in all its glory in Houston with no wind at times. I mean, zero breeze, Nothing. searing sun. I felt bad for those guys. One of them once told me, Johnny, that, hey, we actually have it good because we're doing stuff out here. Yeah. You guys standing around get hot. I'm thinking – I don't know about that. All right, whatever you think. <laughs> there, there's something whatever to that. Think. There's something to that, but Mother Nature cranked up the volume today, and it was uh, it was noticeable. Bernardrick McKinney told somebody coming off the field, I came with somebody in our department, like, eh, this went that bad. I'm like, what? Or no, somebody said that I this like was that. the worst day, and he was like, no, this wasn't the worst day. I, I was like, it was for yeah, me. You know I, what? We, we, might not, we might not remember, and guess what? You know, to his point, here's what happens. Like I always say, in September, the media is not out there for all the practice, right, right? right? They're practicing in September. And last I checked in September, it's still it's searing deep. heat yeah. out there. And they go out there now. They'll try to go into the bubble some. And with the new surfacing and everything, yeah. they'll feel better about that, getting ready for some of these games. But, you know, it doesn't cool off in Houston until mid-October. So there might have been a day or two out there where you felt really hot compared yeah. to today. It, it got me. It, it sat me a little. It was kind of the perfect storm, though. It was we're a week in a training camp. We're getting ready to go to Green Bay. It's the day before a day off. Yep. It is that hot, and it, you could tell it, it kind of warned the players. And, it, and I think Bill O'Brien cut practice up maybe a little bit short. I think he maybe took out one period to get some situational work and get him out of there a little bit earlier. But still, good work done. But man, it was uh, he it, made a, it was a tough one. Johnny, he made a comment today that, that leads me to believe that he will be a game analyst when his coaching career is finished. Yeah. Because he said there's a big difference between inside and outside. Okay. That's, that's very true. I'm joking around here, but you know how some people tease color commentators for stating the obvious? When, believe me, doing a game, sometimes that's all you can say. You know, got to get something going here, like when you're down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. No question. Yeah. I mean, but, the game's you know, not over until it hits all zeros. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what got, Watson says in our intro. Yeah, I know, but I get mm-hmm. his point. It's like when he's got the ball in his hand, the game isn't over. It's, you know, yeah. and he was he had some he had some good moments today in practice. I mean, he is there, he any good? He's he's pretty good. The last the last drill of the day was really fun. That was a it was a situational. There was a situational part in practice, and Bill said, and I listened to his press conference after I got back up to my office, and he said, you know, we try to do some sort of two minute something or other every day, and they did it. They they drilled the situation they came up with. They were down five. Like 40 seconds left, no timeouts. You got to score a touchdown. And they had a four play drive, and it was efficient. It was lethal. Watson hit QT, came back in the next play. He hit Lamar, and Lamar was running a little, little, kind of, a little out route. He kind of 
It was like a little option route. He saw the linebacker, realized the linebacker was inside, so he just broke it in the sideline. Sean hit him in stride. It's perfect because he starts. He can run upfield, feel and look for the defense, and then when he feels like I got a duck out of bounds, duck out of bounds. Yep. It was perfect. Then they threw to Aikens incomplete, and then the next throw, he didn't. I thought at first, like, oh, maybe it's he held it a little bit long. He didn't actually held the right amount of time. Good pass protection, and he throws a laser to Hopkins. Oh, just gosh, throws a I saw laser that. to Hopkins. It he, was beautiful, Johnny. He's the eraser because if you do, and we've seen it before, if you do make mistakes on offense, he can help correct them. Mm-hmm. Not only correct them. Make them look prettier than they might have looked had you run it properly. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> He's going to find, true. like, the one to Aikens in the Philadelphia game always stands out to me. But yeah. there's even one in the, I want to say it's the Cleveland game from last year. And it was on the Texan special where he rolls right, rolls left, hits somebody for a touchdown. I forget who it was. But the point is, and O'Brien. Oh, it was Miami. It was George oh, it was Miami. And you see it from O'Brien's perspective, and he's, you know, he just claps like, yep, touchdown, yeah. let's go. And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. coaching. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> he's joked with us about that before. Like, uh, you like that coaching I did on that play to Aikens? No. <laughs> that's great. That's great. But that's the thing. You want to design an offense that plays to his strengths and also has the outside the lines, if you will, ability for him to color outside those lines yeah. and make plays that way because he's such a great improvisation artist. That it's exactly what you want. You don't wanna you don't wanna stifle that. And that's you know, it, it's interesting when I when I think about it. I actually asked this question today of Davin Bellamy. He and I've talked a little bit about pass rush. And I asked him, is pass rush more art or science? And I think about quarterback in kind of the same way. Like is quarterbacking playing quarterback in the NFL is it more art or is it more scientific? And I think there's probably levels of both that you have to have, but there are some times where with Deshaun, it's all artist improvisation and it just comes out sounding better than anything you may have been able to scientifically script. I mean, you talk about the play in Philadelphia. I mean, obviously nobody designed the play to go that way, but he makes that particular play. What I like about this camp thus far about Deshaun is – there have been a few moments. I remember the first training camp. Yeah, it was the first training camp where he, they, OB would just let, he would just let them play. Yeah. And what I mean by that is they would, he would drop in a pocket. Maybe it was OTAs too, but it was at training camp as well. Whenever Deshaun, he wouldn't do this for Tom or Brandon, but he would do it for Deshaun. Whenever Deshaun dropped and then he started to scramble, he wouldn't blow the whistle. He would yeah. let it go. Right, right, right. Like, keep that was going. funny. And so that it was, was always, different. Yeah, now it's like he doesn't do that as often in practice in, in particular. He knows when he needs to. Yeah. But he doesn't have to do it in practice. He's he's kind of more in the scientific mode of here's the play, here's what I need to do, here's right. what the defense is doing, boom, I'm going to do it. But that last drill was so, so stinking efficient. It was so fun to watch. And the more that I think about it and the more that they work on the up-tempo pace, I, I almost feel like that's the way – they want to be. They want to be more up tempo this year and play at a faster pace. Let's see if they can they pull it have. off. It let's, would be nice. Let's see if they can do it because it gets so competitive in practice, and it, it's just great to go against this front seven in particular. Yep. And and Watson called. We've mentioned the word annoying several times so far in our broadcasts. He called JJ Watt annoying. <laughs> he was strip sacked today. I mean, there were some there were some plays where they got into the backfield and it was making life really miserable for him. Yeah. So in a competitive situation like you just described. 
and he can take advantage of it, he's going to do it. He's going to torch them if he possibly can, and it's fun to watch. I mean, I really enjoy taking that in. I can't tell you anything about special teams right now other than they have two putters in camp. And Fairbairn, ooh, let's knock wood or something. Johnny. Don't say it. Don't no, say it. I can't say it. Is Don't this, say it. Is this like a no-hitter Don't situation? Don't okay. say it. I said no hitter. I didn't say anything else. But, but you I'm, know what I was going to say. Could, I know exactly what you're going to say because I asked. It's Weeksy a good thing. This, I asked Weeksy the same question. Oh, did he say? Has he missed? Yeah. And he said, "Yeah, he missed one." And oh, I was he like, did? Oh, okay. okay. So maybe we can't talk about. I it. I feel like I've seen every one. All right. So if we know he's missed one, that's fine. But he missed more than one through seven days of practice last year. Not oh, that yeah. he was bad. He's yeah, a good yeah. kicker. And like I said, he's never missed a big one. He's right. never missed a must-have kick for you. Right. Correct. I mean, I really can't think of any. Correct. The only one that I can think of, the only one I could think of that I went, oh, I wish we'd had that one, was Tennessee week two last year. It was a 50-plus yarder, and he pushed it left. Okay. That, but, it, I, but I know, yeah. I, I know what you're going to say. Outdoors, I know. anything I know beyond 50 is not, yeah. I think later in the year he makes it. Maybe. I think later in the year he makes it because I think he got some confidence from those game-winning kicks uh, that he had against Indianapolis and Dallas. But I I was watching the field goal period yesterday. When was that 50-plus yarder? At the end of the half? No, it was in the second. Didn't he miss one at the, qu- begin- at the end it of the half? It was in the second quarter. It was in the second. Uh, wait. We were going. It was in the second quarter mm-hmm. because we drove down and we were in field goal range. And then I think Deshaun got sacked. Yeah, pushes back. That one would have come in handy later. And then we needed those three points later on. You but, know what else would have helped? No 15-yard penalty from somebody on the yeah, sideline. Yeah. But I love him anyway. I mean, that Sorry. game was so winnable, and then we just blew it. But, yeah. Uh, but that said, I I was watching him kick field goals, and then Weeks, he came over, and he's like, what would you think of the operation? I was like, snap, hold, everything's perfect. I mean, those those three were perfect. How's anger like, holding? Well, that was interesting. He said, because when I said, I said, Weeksies, he missed one? He goes, yeah, he missed one. And I was like, really? And he goes, yeah. He goes, it was the first one that anger ever held for him. Oh, so that doesn't he said, count. From that, he said from that point <laughs> forward, he's he's made everything with either anger or Daniel Holden. Oh, boy. Either Did one. we? All right. So we should probably should have even talked about that. But it was it was too good not to. I mean, so many people have asked me over the years about, how's the kicking game? How's the kicking game? Nobody's even asking. Nobody's even asking this this offseason. It's like, what, you know, everybody obviously is still concerned about the offensive line. And I've said, you know, a lot of times, look, the offensive line is going to be improved. If you can get to significantly improved, this team is going to be exceptional in 2019. Right. But the kicking, everybody asks, oh, how's it kicking? You know, because it struggled. Well, you know, special teams-wise, it was excellent last year. And obviously, Kaimi was excellent last year. Trevor Daniel was very, very good as a rookie last year. I've said this, and I've written this a few times. I stop what I'm doing when the punt team goes out there because I have to see. And I can't believe I'm saying this. I have to see Brian Anger and Trevor Daniel Here's punt. my problem, I have though. to see them hit those rockets. All right, I'm on the record saying I don't like watching special teams in practice. I do like watching that stuff, but very often when the punt team comes out there, I never know whether it's the fake punt, meaning they're going to yeah, use I, the I jugs machine so they don't wear it a guy's leg and they just want to get a look at return formation or whatever and – whether guys can catch yeah. or if it's the real thing. And then at that point, I'm in the men's room. And <laughs> <laughs> so I come out, and they're back to team drills. So I'm good. I'm happy. That's how I watch practice, Johnny. So, well, I mean, I know a lot of people end up doing that because they see special teams. And the hard part about special teams in training camp is a lot of that turns over based on what the final 53 is going to be. So yeah. sometimes you're watching them and going, okay, well, three, four, 
three or four of those guys may not be in the special teams, so things change. But yeah. I well, have taken a lot of pleasure out of watching those two punters. It's yeah. I mean, but they're you, rockets. You are, but you're super into this stuff. I think that special teams in a football practice is like when you're watching a classic rock band play all their great old material, and then they're like, we'd like to play something from our new album. Yeah, right. And that sends everybody to the concession stands. That's what special teams of practice is. That's what it is. I mean, I'll, I'll admit, there, there are some things on special teams. I like special teams in the game. I like watching special teams in the game. Guys flying down, making big hits, making a, making a big play and a stop. I like them during the game. Practice can be, practice can be tough. Yeah. But those two punters have been crushing it. But Kaimi is – he's knocked them through. Now, they have not kicked field goals outside. They've only done it inside. But he's mm-hmm. – he was – he's been pristine. Here's what pristine. I want to do tomorrow. We're going to take a full inventory in the first segment at 8 o'clock. Okay. I'm assigning this to us. Okay. And maybe in the second segment, too, because it could take a while. But the point is this. You just brought up special teams. We've been talking about it. Last year at this point, we had no idea – that they were going to improve exactly. as much as they did and how valuable that was. And I think that if you you can't assume it's going to repeat, of course, Bill O'Brien always says that, but you do have that in your cap from last year and you have the same coaching staff and a lot of the same guys, so you feel pretty good about the chances of it. So that's great. I mean, that's something, that's a plus right there where at this time last year that was a big question. Is that going to improve? And that is a crucial part of the game. So there are other aspects of this team like that, and we're going to take inventory after one week in camp because clearly they are not done getting ready for the season, which starts, what, five weeks from Monday. Yes. Oh, I can finally say that. Five weeks from Monday. That sounds pretty good. And we have football tonight. Who's your pick? Denver and Atlanta. By the way, if anybody's out there gambling the Hall of Fame game, please get help immediately. I guarantee you there's somebody or some bodies that you know, and I'm not saying who, And I'm not – I'm just saying somebody will be gambling on this game today. They, they will. And you know what? Somebody it's, will. If you're just doing a little bit just for fun and it's kind of – it's game of chance. It really is yeah. because it's preseason. And the starters – I mean, for instance, Flacco's not playing tonight, right? I would think so. Julio's definitely not. Is anymore. Ryan playing tonight? I don't even know. And it's on after this. Kevin Hogan's starting. I don't even know how much – well, we got to see Drew Locke. That's what I'm Well, I want to see Drew Locke. Yeah, I want to see Drew Locke. But you're and not I want to see Matt Schaub. You're not seeing any of those starters. No, right. you won't see any of the starters. Right. I want to see how all that works out tonight. Look, I just want to see some football and, and just get the feel of it again and uh, take it from there. All right, coming up on the program, this is going to be good. Johnny and I broke down, well, he really did, the linebacker group today. And it's deep. It's fun. And a lot of playmakers, a lot of different skill sets involved with making up that position group. So we will go through the linebackers next And we had a great visit from Jeff Van Gundy this morning. A special announcement was made about ProVision, the school he's involved in. But don't think we didn't talk about Texans, about the Rocket situation, about coaching, about a lot of stuff with JVG. That's in the final segment tonight. Stick around. It's Texans All Access. Coming to you in air-conditioned comfort. The reason why I say that is we've been on the field 8 to 10 a.m. every day of practice so far. And now for the evening show, we are in studio. It is lovely. And tomorrow we'll be in studio as well. The team will have a day off, but we have plenty of interviews to get to, keeping you up to date with what is going on at Texans training camp. And if you've been listening, we told you that Watt was practicing day one. We told you when Matt Khalil got back, when Kahale Waring got back, and just keeping you up to date as to who's in, who's out, what we're seeing at practice. And then 
We reflect on it later in the day and sometimes the next morning. Anyway, speaking of reflection, how about some analysis here? As every day we break down a different position group today, it's linebackers, and there are plenty of them inside, outside, all around the town. And John Harris started this one off this morning reviewing Bernardrick McKinney. Um, he's the truth. I mean, he's the captain. He's the guy that communicates back and front. He does everything. I, I felt like you know, when he got named to the Pro Bowl last year, there was a lot of talk. Oh, Darius Leonard didn't go to the Pro Bowl. And, all and it was partly how Darius Leonard is labeled as an outside linebacker. So it's, it's weird. But anyways, there was a lot of talk about that. The very next game was the Jets game. BMAC was phenomenal in that game. I talked to him afterwards, and I said, I don't know that I've seen you play a better game. So it was like, he, I know he didn't listen or take in all of that uh, the, the criticism, but it almost felt like he did, like it motivated him. He's the guy you got to have on the field. And I'll tell you the one thing. When he came here in 15, what was the one thing that people said he couldn't do? He couldn't cover. cover. His coverage has gotten so much better. You don't want him matched up on James White all the time. You don't want him matched up. But he had a great play against Philadelphia. He had a great day the other day in training camp. Practice knocking the pass away. His coverage has gotten so much better. To be fair, it's hard for anybody to match up with James Not. White. Bernardrick McKinney, the first guy. Well, what about Zach Cunningham, who wears number 41, and I still do double takes. 41 should be a safety. or something. It's Zach Cunningham, inside linebacker, and he's good. I love him. I love everything that he can do on a field. And if you think about two of the biggest defensive plays last year against two of our biggest rivals on two of the biggest nights, third and one stop in overtime on Zeke Elliott, Zach Cunningham. Fourth and one stop down on the goal line against Tennessee, Zach Cunningham completely stones Luke Stocker. Those were Zach Cunningham plays that a lot of people didn't think he could make. Oh, he'll be a run and hit guy. He'll run. He'll do a lot of things. He stuffed two guys, 225 pounds plus, one-on-one, in two huge moments. He can do anything on a football field. His Madden rating of 76 is a complete joke. Zach Cunningham, to me, is a complete and total dude. And if he plays 16 games this year, he'll show that to everybody. Also inside year three already, Missouri State product Dylan Cole undrafted. Told me he could run a 4-3-8. Wow. That was unofficial. And that's the Dang. key to his game. He can fly. So... What he does is having a guy like Dylan Cole allows you to do some different things scheme-wise. Maybe you want to have all three linebackers on the field at once. Maybe you want to change things up a little bit. Maybe you want to play a team that you've played a bunch, a division team, maybe the Patriots, and you want to show them a different look. You can show a 4-3 base look if you want with those three linebackers playing Dylan Cole at the will spot. He can fly. He's smart. He told me a story after week one last year on Tom Brady. And, Mark, I didn't think anybody could really ever decipher Brady. Dylan Cole had multiple plays where he looked at Brady, listened to Brady, and knew exactly where the ball was going, knew exactly what was happening. Dylan Cole is as smart as he is fast. I love that guy. Love those three inside linebackers. All right, Peter Kalambai can go inside, outside. Yes. He's versatile. So what about him entering year two? Well, he's thick, and, he's, and you said it, he's versatile. Yesterday he made a great play from an inside linebacker position, but he kind of moves outside on goal line. He made a great play on Demario Crockett. He's got versatility, and you know, but we've gotten to that point now. And also with Dylan, too, special teams are huge. And Peter's a great, great piece on special teams. He's coachable. He's smart. He's intelligent. He knows his role. He wants to impact the team as much as he possibly can. But Peter Kalambay, he's a dude. I love having him on this team. He knows his role. He's going to be a key factor. Johnny, who else inside is catching your eye? Because Tyrell Adams, we talked to him in the offseason. Really interesting guy. They just got B.J. Bello. And I like what I'm seeing when you look at number 56, Xavier Woodson-Luster. He's caught the eye of a lot of the media folk. Yeah, he's 
he's a guy that, you know, Xavier can run. He's six one two twenty. He's not big. But he can he can fly. And I think that's a big part of his game. Terrell Adams is a guy from West Georgia. Special teams last year, one of the bigger plays was against the Buffalo Bills. When he blocked a punt, got recovered by Brennan Scarlett. So from that perspective, those guys add things on special teams. I'm curious to see what Woodson Luster brings in coverage in particular against the Packers because that's got to be his calling card. At 220 pounds, he's not going to be a guy that just stuffs gaps and stops the run, but he's going to be a guy that flies to the football and can do things in coverage. All right, let's go outside now. Let's do it. All right, Whitney, merciless. It's a big year for Whit, but if the offseason's any indication, he was great in OTAs and minicamps. I just see him working against the, the tackles, and there's so many different things that I know that he wants to unveil but he'll probably wait. I think it's going to be a good week for him in Green Bay, going against David Bakhtiari uh, and Brian Balaga up in Green Bay. So I'm excited for Witt. I'm excited for this year. He's in a contract year. Everybody knows that. And they, some will say, well, you know, Kareem's in a contract year and he blew Whitney doesn't – he's not driven that way. He's driven to succeed no matter what. But this is going to be a big year for him in this defense, and I, I think he's going to have an opportunity to ball out as long as he's healthy. Brennan Scarlett already in his fourth year, fourth year. out of Stanford. Another what? undrafted guy. Remember when we did those 15 guys that were at training camp from mm-hmm. the 83 that are here from 2016? He's one of them. Right. He's one of those guys. So he's found a way to, to stick around. He did it last year to start on special teams. He'd sprint on special teams. You could tell that there was, I don't know, joy is not the right word, but he wanted to be on special teams. He wanted to mm-hmm. impact his team. And that led to reps on defense at inside linebacker. That led to reps at outside linebacker. That led to the pick against Washington. He's indispensable in that way because he's a Swiss Army knife. Hey, what do you need? He's somebody to rush. He played three technique at Stanford. Three technique and rushed from in there. So he can do a lot of different things for this team. I think his pass rush acumen is not quite where you'd like it to be, but I think he can get there and he continues to work on it. He's got some skills. And so I think I think Brent Scarlett's a key guy you've got to have in this linebacking court. Have to. We broke down the D-line yesterday, and Jadeveon Clowney, we put him in there, and we're also going to put him in here in linebackers because he plays in the front seven wherever he wants, really. Linebacker, inside, outside, three technique, stand-up, A-gap, mugger, whatever you want to call it. He's, I mean, look, we've all seen what J.D. does. Mm-hmm. Just can't wait to get him back. I mean, it's not as if I don't want to talk about him, but I know we got a few other guys to talk about. And I can I can blaze through saying that the players got it wrong. At number sixty-three, JD's an animal, and he's he's wherever you want to play him. All right, he's some, good. Some of the guys fans might not know much about. We've been talking about them, but they're gonna play a lot in these preseason games. So you get a look at some of these players, like Davin Bellamy, yeah. who was around last year out of Georgia. Good pass rusher there, six-five, two sixty. Yeah, he's worked on his pass rush game. It's clear. You can see it. He's been working with Chuck Smith, pass rush specialist, and he was working with Chuck a little bit. Chuck has worked with Yannick Ngakwe, and it was funny because I saw Davin use a move the other day, and I was like, yo, what do you call that? Where would you get that? He goes, yeah, I've been working with Chuck. He's been working for a few years, and so that part of his game is pretty good, but it's the all-round stuff. He's got to be able to set the edge a little bit better. He's got to be a little more disciplined on the edge. You know, not jumping snaps, things like that. Davin Bellamy's, got, Davin Bellamy's got a lot of talent. It's got to show up playing and play out. All right, Jamal Davis has been making Ooh. plays. Rookie from Akron, a zip. Ooh. He transferred from Pitt, right? 6'4", 240. Uh, oh, don't talk about him. Got one to keep question. him a secret. Oh, Next really? Question. Okay. Next right. question. That means that he's good, Next and question. we don't want anybody to know about it who might want to try to pick him up. Yeah. Chris Landrum, fourth year out of Jacksonville State. Have you noticed him? Where's number 42 out here? The fans are here. They'll get a look at him. Yeah, he's 
he was a guy that got first team reps at times in OTAs because he didn't have JD. Um, and I think Scarlett was banged up a little bit, still rehabbing from something, I believe. And so Landrum got some first team reps at times, and you know, he's got some he's got some quickness off the edge. Not the biggest guy as an outside linebacker, not 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 real big. And so setting the edge is is a key thing that he's got to be able to do a little bit better. But mm-hmm. he get back to the quarterback. And look, I've, I've talked to many people around this league, and the one thing they always tell you is you can't have enough pass rusher. So if he can get to the quarterback, he proves that at Green Bay. He's going to be a guy that's going to be on a lot of people's radar screens, in particular the Texans personnel staff. Who did I forget in this group? I'm looking, I'm looking. I think we got them all. We got them all. All right. Those are the linebackers. We did, we did it. I did that in record time. You did? No, and it's I, good. I did that in record time. It's good. There it is, a review of Texans linebackers. Texans running that 3-4, and it's funny how history changes, but it stays the same. The Texans started their history running a 3-4 back in 2 and then they switched to a 4-3 when Gary Kubiak came in, back to a 3-4 with Wade Phillips joining Kubiak, and a different kind of 3-4 with Romeo Cornell, and sometimes it looks an awful lot like a 4-3. They mix things up, a lot of sub-packages, a lot of moving people around. Linebacker is such an important position group because – that factor is big into special teams as well. We always bring up that fourth down stuff, but it's so important to the success of an NFL franchise. As promised, we will deliver this. Jeff Van Gundy, a little best of his visit this morning as we talked about Russell Westbrook. Of course that came up, but also the Texans and ProVision, the school of which he is a part of. It's really special stuff, and it's next on Texans Radio. Great to have you listening to Texans All Access here from NRG Stadium across the hall from the locker room, which is getting kind of quiet now because it's a day off of the players tomorrow. they got a day off Tuesday, day off tomorrow, and then Saturday the open practice. Sunday they'll hit the road for Green Bay. It's one week from tonight, the preseason opener at Lambeau Field. You can hear it right here. You can see it on ABC 13. You can watch it on your phone, on the app as well. It's going to be cool stuff to stream these games all season long. Now, Jeff Van Gundy has been a Houston Texans season ticket member for a long time. Former head coach of the Rockets, of course, the Knicks before that, now with ABC and ESPN as the NBA's lead analyst. And he's also on the board of ProVision, an outstanding school doing so much great work in Sunnyside. So let's visit with him some stuff from this morning with JVG, Jeff Van Gundy, who's been in Houston a long time. He's a Houstonian. 16 years here. It's amazing how fast it goes. And uh, um, just so happy to be here with you guys and being able to see the Texans up close is pretty special. Well, you get in the coaching world 16 years in any place, and I know you're not coaching right now, but you get in the coaching world, you don't stay any place for three, four, five years in certain cases. So is this home? Oh, it's absolutely. And I think what influences that is obviously family. But when you find a place that you feel really comfortable with and your and your children and your, your wife like, you stay. And so um, I've been so blessed to have found my way to Texas. And like you guys said, it feels like it is home. Do you feel like if you coached again what you've learned as an announcer, meeting with all these coaches and and traveling everywhere and getting sort of an inside scoop on these organizations, would that help you now? Well, I think anytime you're exposed to uh, watching different people, how they do it, um, you definitely learn. But I don't think you learn to do something better by not doing it. So I think (laughs) if you want to be a great coach, you coach and you coach and you coach, and which I did – up until you know, I left the Rockets, and now going back and coaching 
uh, for USA Basketball, that is really where you learn. It's like in broadcasting, you didn't learn how to broadcast by getting reps in some other profession. You learned to broadcast by doing that. And I think it's the same way with me. Like coaching, you get better doing it. Broadcasting, you get better doing it or you try to get better doing it. And so I've just been fortunate to have great mentors uh, both in coaching and in broadcasting that have taken uh, great care to try to help my career. And I think sometimes when you do what we all do, thinking that you get there by yourself is foolish. Jeff, I've been asked this question a lot because people know that I've coached way, way back in the day, and I tell them the coaching bug never really leaves you. It's just how much you actually suppress it. Is that coaching <laughs> bug for you still somewhere within oh, you? And that's why I've coached with USA Basketball, John. I think, like you said, you can't replace the competition and camaraderie that come from being a part of a team. And it doesn't matter what what role you play with that team. Right. But certainly when you're a head coach um, and – Every decision is magnified. Uh, there's nothing like it. And, and so you're right. It never goes away. Uh, you're always going to miss what you don't have. And yet the life is, is great in broadcasting. I sometimes really miss having the result shape my mood, either good or bad. Really? Yeah, I, I do. Like the you, ups and the downs. Yes. You know, th- that's what I get out of being a fan, though, to some point. Like, I... I you know, I always talk, I got my group there in mm-hmm. uh, Section 110, Row 16, right? So right. we're there and <laughs> living and dying on every play. And, by the way, not knowing one thing that's going on. Like, why? <laughs> like, just yelling and screaming. Everything's a, uh, a penalty. But um, I, I love that part like, where, where you're deeply invested. And that's what I love about being a season ticket holder. It doesn't replace, obviously, coaching. But it does give you a different feel, you know, walking into and walking out of a game. Jeff Van Gundy with us. What about this team? What about Watson, the way things went last year, and your thoughts on what might happen this season? You know, I know nothing, but I care <laughs> deeply. And so I, I was I, – I said in the spring on a playoff game, if we got – I told Mark Jackson on, on the air, two offensive linemen, two defensive, ba- uh, defensive backs, we're going to win the Super Bowl. And he was like, you're crazy. I'm, I'm not. Like, we have a special quarterback. I think we can have a special defense. I think Lamar Miller is going to have a great year. Health is everything, obviously. But I think we have a special team. I know Indianapolis is the trendy pick. Yep. I think we're winning it again. Coach, you're not on Twitter, as you told us as you walked up here. That made Twitter. <laughs> that made Twitter. Yeah, that made Twitter and Twitter. Not that to, we're going to do anything yeah, about Yeah, not that, that. we're going to do anything about but no. it. But it made Twitter. There were some people that were like, did you hear what Frank Gundy yeah. said on it? We were like, yeah. Tend to agree with you. Well, like, I, I don't know how you, you get a quarterback hit less, mm-hmm. you, right, other than having a good line. I'm not – or, like, whatever you do. I, I love Bill O'Brien, so I, I love everything about what he stands for. But I just want that guy to, like, not get hit as much. Be upright, not get hit as much. Is that on him? I don't know football. Should he get rid of it quick or some? Or? Well, a little bit. It's just sure, like with everything bit. else. You know, when you see, when you see a, a star in basketball not have a great game – Sometimes it's not always about him. Sometimes the defense is doing some different things to him. Sometimes he's had an off night. Sometimes teammates aren't getting him involved. It's kind of a combination of all things. But it, it's a great question to ask because I think automatically you go, offensive line. Coach, I went back and watched every sack you know, about two weeks ago. Watched every single one. I put about 50 to 55% of the offensive line. The rest of them, there's a lot of different things that go into it. But you're right. The offensive line had to get better. But, see, that's interesting because, for me, 
when you're sitting up in my seats, I don't have a clue. Just like the other people around me have no clue. We, right. we just want a good result. But right. it, it's such an intricate game with 11 people that you really don't know when watching whose responsibility right. it is. It, it's funny. I love watching you on television. I think you do a tremendous job, and uh, I'm not pandering here. I really do believe that. I appreciate I, I've, that. I've always felt that way, and it's interesting to me after you play or coach what your passion might be, and, and you have that for broadcasting, and I want to transition that into a, a man who played in the NFL, and his passion is ProVision, Roynell Young, and, and being with that school and, and being at the helm of that school and all it means. And I know you're here. You're on the board, right? I'm on the board. I've been on about nine or ten years now. Right. And it's a tremendous school in Sunnyside. And actually the winner of the Texans Care Contest presented by Chevron, a grand prize of $10,000, a donation going that way of ProVision. Very cool stuff. And I know the school does such great work. Right. We're, we serve the most underserved children in our community. Sunnyside, obviously. Uh, it, it is in some it's a it's a difficult situation for some of those for most of those children there and when you have a provision a charter school there that's not just a school we have an urban farm we have mentorship programs we have internship programs and like you mentioned Roy Nell Young has done this his whole adult life after leaving the Philadelphia Eagles he has spent the next 30 near 30 years achieving this uh, for the children of Houston uh, it is a story that should be publicized, talked about, because he has made such an impact. And the Texans, by running this Texans Care contest, mm-hmm. our children have such pride. Our students have had such pride in winning this. They'll be here today at practice. Uh, I can't believe when I moved here the philanthropic nature of the Houston community at large. And then the Texans and Chevron, who sponsored this contest, they're such giving people and ten thousand dollars for our community our school it goes so far and Roynell makes sure we're great stewards of every dollar that comes into provision coach i've heard you just now and i've heard you talk about provision i've heard you talk about this school i sense the passion that you talk about you know a matchup zone i mean you have a passion for it just as much as you have for basketball why is that what is it that and what drives that passion for you to be involved you know my house is seven miles from provision and it could it's seven million miles from my experiences uh the poverty uh the the children who have to deal with parents that are incarcerated and have to move on a consistent basis just the chaos that they navigate on a daily basis and are able to become such productive with the help of the the school such productive members of our community um, I'm so proud to be associated with, and really my passion. I wish I could say when I was the head coach of the Rockets, I was involved in all these things. Sure. Unfortunately, it took me getting fired uh, to find my passion. This is why I have such respect for organizations and players and coaches who, while they're in the midst of their career, they're doing so much. I should have done more back when I was the coach of the Rockets. I regret that deeply. But like the Texans, their players, their coaches, uh, same with the Rockets, Astros, they all do so much for so many that are in need. Uh, there's a lot of need in our community, and our professional teams are rising to that challenge. I'm blown away by the staff at ProVision because Roy Nell can't do it all by himself, and these guys are tremendous. And the kids, it's yes, sir, yes, ma'am. They're so polite. They're all they're sharp. It's really great work being done. It is. It, it, I always go, when I take people out there, 
the thing I like the most is the urban farm. Here in this food desert of yeah. Sunnyside, we have this food desert and it's uh, this this farm, but it's based on aquaponics, which is the using of fish to their excrement to fertilize. So we're not planting in the ground. We're planting in beds. So oh, wow. we can have a better uh, growing season. We can do it more rapidly. And so oh. we provide some food for the community. We also are now selling it to places like HEB, Benji's, and, and restaurants so that we make money and have a steady stream of some income. So it's, it's an amazing wow. thing that's going on there. And I always say... If I get somebody on campus out there, if I take somebody who's interested, and anybody who wants to go, I will give a tour to. When I get them on campus there, they're in. And that's what happened to me. I went out there, I met Roy Nell, and immediately when I heard his vision, I saw the kids and the campus and what they were trying to do, I was all in. Yeah, it's it's hard not to be. That is a tremendous place. ProVision, winner of the grand prize of the Texans Care Contest presented by Chevron. There were other winners as well, but ProVision, the grand prize winner. Mark, you mentioned that, and Coach, I think you said this, the kids are going to be out here today. What does it mean for them to come out here and see the professional team and to see guys like J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson? What's that mean for that group? Well, sometimes, again, we can become jaded like myself. I bring my kids out here. Oh, yeah, I saw the Texans, right? Because they have these opportunities, right? Well, when you give opportunity to children and students and people that haven't experienced that same opportunity, their eyes get widened to what they can accomplish. It may not be, obviously, being a professional player, but they're meeting, they're seeing, like, I ran into a good friend, Greg Grissom, who, you know, yep. here. Like, why not one of the ProVision students being the next Jamie Roots or Greg mm-hmm. Grissom in the business side or being on the personnel side or in the media relations side? Right. I just think... When you open up their opportunities, they see what's out there and what they can accomplish. And I just think that's so important. And that's why we're so proud of our association with the Texans, right? Because they're givers. Like, this is an organization, obviously, that's based on results on the field. But off the field, they're just a giving type of organization. And we're so proud to have been... You know, the name the winner of the Texans Care Challenge. Well, I think there's more on the way, so uh, stay tuned. We'll let you know here through our Texans media channels. Jeff Van Gundy with us. We cannot let you go without a couple of basketball yeah. questions. So Russell Westbrook joins the Rockets. This is really fun stuff. Well, I'm, I was a big Chris Paul fan and, and, mm-hmm. and remain. I think we could be making a mistake saying, I know everybody says it's a huge upgrade. You're overlooking Chris Paul, his greatness. Okay. And... They were, prior to Paul's injury, they were 24 minutes away, not from going to the finals, but from winning the championship, right? And that was just two years ago. Last year, a rocky start, then they came back, and still the only team they couldn't beat was the loaded-up Warriors, right? So now everything opens up. I think they would have had a great team if they had kept Paul, but they make the big move. And I think it's funny because a lot of people predict it's either going to work with Westbrook and Harden or it's not going to work and I'm an I just like to watch I can't wait to see how it (laughs) unfolds I do think and I don't know if this is in every sport but in basketball particularly with star players you've got to get them at the right time in their careers where they're willing to sacrifice not only with each other but for the betterment of the team a lot of people in pro basketball talk about all I care about is winning but what they leave off is the dot, 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 if I get my own way, <laughs> right. right? In this case, with star players, if you really want to win, you can't have agendas other than winning. 
And if you can get to that point, and and hopefully Harden is at that point, Westbrook's at that point, I think they have enough around them that they can compete with anybody. Last year, Jeff, we talked about this this Texas team. The chemistry in the locker room was outstanding. In an NBA locker room, how valuable would you say chemistry is? Because that's been a concern. You know, with, with Chris and with James, there's some like, oh, maybe the chemistry was off. You hear that word a lot. How much of a factor do you think that is with not only this team but with all NBA teams? Well, don't you think it's so hard to define chemistry, what right. it really is? Exactly. But you do know what it is when you see it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not always getting along. It's how you play together. Now, I've had teams that necessarily, you know, people always say, oh, they're cliques. Well, they're adults. Certain guys are going to like certain guys and just hang out. But it's all about what they do on the field or on the floor. And I think what I'm going to be interested in is it's not how they play together, Westbrook and Durant. It's how they, the whole group plays together. And I think it's about on the floor, and it really comes down to do you willingly share the ball? Right. And will you try on every possession on defense? If you do those t- two things, you try like heck on defense, and you pass the ball willingly, you'll have good chemistry. I knew he was going to throw defense in there. I knew it. Okay, Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Congratulations on winning the contest with ProVision, and we look forward to seeing you on television soon enough. Yeah, hopefully it's going to be a great Texans year, and I'll see you guys out at NRG. That's Jeff Van Gundy, and it's fun to hear from him. I did a podcast with him last year, and he's just so outstanding to listen to, no matter what he's talking about. So cool stuff from the former Rockets head coach. Now, tomorrow. We'll be on from 8 to 10 a.m. from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. We'll take full inventory of the team at 8 a.m. And you'll hear from Peter Kalambai, John McClain, a bunch of folks tomorrow morning. So you don't want to miss that as we continue with our Texans Training Camp Live programming. Then back tomorrow night at 6 p.m. want to thank everyone who worked on the show. Go to HoustonTexans.com for video stories, all the info from training camp. You will feel like you are there. In the meantime, have a great night. Enjoy the Hall of Fame game, and go Texans!